just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your host, Ian Dawson Mackay. Today's guest is Mark Smelly Bell. Mark Bell is the founder of Super Training Gym, Power Magazine, and the inventor of the Slingshot. He's also a pro powerlifter who has totaled 2,601 at 275 pounds. Mark's mission is to empower those who seek to improve their lives through fitness. He states that regardless of age, gender, or your weight, the only true trait that matters is heart and determination. His products are created to help you achieve your goals inside and outside of the gym. As he says, strength is never a weakness, a weakness is never a strength. In this interview, we discuss his philosophy on life, intelligence, creativity, business advice, and how you can become the best version of yourself. I've been a big fan of Mark for many years now, and it was superb to have him on as a guest. We cover a lot of non-training topics in this one, and it will blow you away as Mark is a very deep guy, very intelligent, very articulate, with a lot of advice gems that you can utilise to change your life right now. But before we get into that, a quick word about the affiliates. I've managed to build up some great deals and relationships with some awesome companies. This allows me to obtain special discount codes, deals, and listener exclusives not otherwise available. So please go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates for further information. Currently, out of the affiliates, I'm loving things like the Tribe of Mentors book by Tim Ferriss, Ross Edgley's awesome new book, The World's Fittest Book. Ross is currently swimming around the UK. Yes, literally swimming around the UK, and his book is full of gems, and it's a must-read for everybody who wants to get a better life. And on it are going from strength to strength with Alpha Brain and some of their new awesome supplements. So for more information on some of the free trials, special deals, and so on, go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliate. But I also have a new deal which may be perfect for you. If you go to improveyourbench.co.uk, which is the UK official distributor for Mark's products, I've been given a very special discount code. So it's available for the next 25 customers. You can get a 10% discount by using the discount code NEXTLEVEL10. Now that's spelt slightly different. So it's N-E-X-T-L-V-L-10. That's all one word and it's N-E-X-T-L-V-L-10. And if you use that at the discount section on the checkout, by using this code, not only will you be getting a great deal yourself, but it will also help me get further deals and better offers. Um, Mark offers the amazing slingshot, knee sleeves, elbow cuffs, apparel, and so much more that can make you a better guy and a better lifter. I really hope you enjoy this one as much as I did interviewing Mark. Now to the interview with Mark. If you were to give your, you know, your usual thirty-second intro, what would you say? You know, who are you and why are you well known? Uh, I would say that people have identified me with uh, lifting heavy weights, and I hope that the message um, that I'm getting across to people, uh, which I try to deliver in some fashion almost every single day, is, you know, I, I genuinely feel that I was put on this earth to make the world a better place to lift. 
And what I mean by that is, is my mission and my goal to help other people find and feel the way that I do about fitness and about strength training. Um, it doesn't always have to be this like barbaric thing where you turn on like uh, Satan worshiping music and blast it and all this stuff. It, it, uh, it, it can be your own version of getting stronger. And that could mean any number of things. So I want to basically lower the barrier of entry into fitness, lower the barrier of entry into strength training and into general health. And I'd love for people to kind of view me as a, uh, especially when it's all said and done, I still have a lot of work to do, but I'd love for people to view me as a pioneer, as somebody that always tried to push forward. All the products that I make are, are um, geared towards making you feel better while you're training. They're geared towards making the workout easier, more pleasant, rather than making the workout harder. And uh, that that's what I feel is ultimately going to be uh, my legacy, especially in conjunction with a film that my brother and I are, are working on that I'm producing on nutrition. And I think that'll really shake things up and uh, that'll really uh, kind of cement my name in, in the broader picture of things rather than me just being the guy that squatted a thousand pounds and benched 800. No, I mean, you're, you're certainly going that way. Um, when I tell people about the podcast and, you know, I mentioned some other weightlifters who have interviewed and, you know, it's a kind of maybe a bit of recognition, but everybody knows who you are. They've heard of the slingshot. They've heard of your knee sleeve, super That's training. Great. So you're certainly changing weightlifting from the, you know, the common perceived beliefs that it's just for meatheads and, and you're showing how fitness can be for everybody. You know, you're, and you're really opening it up with your videos and things like that. But can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing? You know, it was what did you want to be as a child? Was it always this kind of destiny for you, do you think? Um, you know, I've made some posts recently, and I think maybe, you know, sometimes when I make posts, uh, it can be a little frustrating because it, it takes a while. You know, I'm not, I'm not the rock. I don't have the celebrity pull of some of these uh, – you know, I, I am popular on Instagram and stuff like that, but uh, there's some people that are just on a whole nother level and anything that they say, everybody just attaches to and gets excited. You know, you hear the rock say the word gratitude and then 75 other people in that same day are using the, using the word as well. And I don't have that kind of uh, establishment quite yet. And so sometimes I don't think people understand exactly what it is that I'm doing, but I made a post uh, the other day and said, it said, dream harder than you work. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't work hard. That, that What that means is that you never, you never give up on yourself no matter what. You never, um, and not even never, because you're going to waver. Like, there's going to be times where it's like, eh, I don't know if this is a good idea. But ultimately, in the long run, you don't give up on yourself to the point where you actually give up. Uh, there may be some self-doubt, like those things are very natural. There may be times where you're like, holy shit, I don't know if I can handle this. Of course, all those things are going to always creep into your head. Uh, but I, I'm a I'm a dreamer, and I have been since the time I was young. Since the time I was a kid, for whatever reason, uh, I always dreamt. And I think a lot of it had to do with my dad was a nine-to-five worker uh, for IBM, you know, computer a computer giant in the United States in the, uh, through the eighties and, and through part of the early nineties, he worked for this computer giant and worked and he worked his ass off. Um, but I think seeing my dad in the suit and tie every day 
made my brothers and I, or allowed my brothers and I, afforded us the ability to think and dream because we didn't have to worry about, you know, where our next meal was coming from. Uh, there was also a lot of love inside of our household. And uh, so it wasn't like my dad was coming home beating the crap out of my mom every day or anything like that, where I had to worry about all these other things off to the side, which that is the case for some people. So they're thinking, fuck, man, I just want to get out of the house. So I'm going to go be a mechanic and I'm going to go, you know, just get a job. I can get an apartment. I don't have to live under my parents' thumb anymore and I can go do whatever I want. I don't have to listen to them fight. I don't have to be abused or see them drink or whatever the case may be in some people's household. I never had any of that. I'm, you know, the byproduct of uh, two amazing uh, parents that, that always were always supportive and always there for me. And I think that's a big reason on why I was a dreamer. And I know that you're from Scotland, so you'll appreciate this. Uh, for some reason, uh, I was very like awestruck by castles when I was really young. And uh, I'm talking probably five, six, seven years old. We used to drive by this place all the time that was in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, where I grew up in this Dutchess County area. And I don't know why it was built this way. I don't know what it was for, but it ultimately became like a like a racquetball court gym or something like that. I, I can't even remember. But, uh, oh, I think I think it was for like entertainment. I think it was one of those places like medieval type eating restaurants or something like that. And then it, it was losing money and it turned into like a restaurant or something. Anyway, this place was there and we drove past it often uh, to get to where I lived when I was a kid. And it was this castle. It was this big castle. And I remember telling my dad when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to live in a castle someday. I want to, you know, I basically, I always wanted to like live big. I always wanted to, um, and I don't live in a castle necessarily, but, uh, I'm still, I guess I'm still working on it. I do live in a mansion and it has some castle like, uh, <laughs> characteristics. So I'm still, uh, still working on those things, but yeah, I'm a big believer in, in dreaming. Um, also a big believer in people say, don't put the cart before the horse. Uh, but I believe that's bullshit. I think you have to put the cart before the horse. You have to be forward thinking and in your thinking and in your decision-making, it's going to be irrational, not rational. It's going to be irrational. What you, your thought process is going to be so irrational. Sometimes somebody's going to say, Oh my God, well, we can't do that because of this. That's when you know you have a really good idea, and that's when you know you're on the right track. If it's such a good idea that it throws everything else off, then you know, like even something like, uh, I've never had an idea this big, but something like Uber, somebody might be like, you'll never get that off the ground because the taxi services and all the other car services, they'll be right up your ass the second you do that. And the government's not going to allow it. And again, right back to what I said, if it sounds irrational and sounds crazy, it's probably it's probably a pretty damn good idea. So put that cart before the horse. Dream bigger. Dream harder than you work. When you put the cart before the horse, you're going to have to realize that you're going to have to be the son of a bitch that's going to have to lug that thing for a little while until you can get enough momentum and get other people to believe in you and you can all drag the cart together. I love the way that you look at life, you know, and it's that things can be achieved. And we had the similar kind of upbringing of like parents who were always there for us very supportive and you, you mean you touched on a few things there that your dad did i have to i feel like i have to mention that because 
you know, people will say, how do I get started? Or how do I get doing this? How do I get doing that? I don't know other people's life. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what your life may have been like, uh, when your life was so vastly different than mine. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, yeah, you know, think about doing this and then A, B, and C will unfold. Well, what if your, what if your dad fucking died of cancer when you were 10 and then your mom was so depressed, she blew her brains out or something like, holy shit, man, that's a huge difference in circumstances. Now you still have to act like an adult. You still have to act like a human being and you still have to figure things out. But that really does change things. And it's going to take that person's going to have to, uh, that person's going to have to go through a healing process to be able to recover from that, to be able to, I mean, what if they had to, just even more simply put, what if somebody had to take care of themselves from the time they're 13? Well, they didn't have a second to breathe. They didn't have a second to dream, you know? So I think just, uh, you know, throwing everybody under the bus and saying, oh man, these people are slobs or these people are lazy. They all just want to be average. You know, it, it's, it's a cop out and it's not true. A lot of people do want to do better. Um, they don't believe in themselves sometimes because of the upbringing and Furthermore, sometimes they just haven't had the time to themselves to even think for five seconds because life is always moving so fast for everybody. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the main problem with guys nowadays is we listen to these kind of generic podcasts, the generic magazines that say this is how to change your life and ten easy steps and you know, it depends where you're <laughs> right. starting from. It's like, you know, oh here's a program yes, that's gonna change yes. your life and if you've not if you've not got to the same reason that the author has done then it's pointless you know you're all we've all got different starting points i mean you mentioned you had an awakening that changed your life was that the similar kind of thing that you you know is that what you realized was that you can do these things that everybody's different and it's just like taking personal responsibility or you know can you go into a little bit about the yeah. awakening? yeah so um when it comes to an awakening um you know, it, it doesn't have to be like a thing, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, like this crazy tragic thing happened and then all of a sudden you're like enlightened, you know. Um, it can be done through some education and it can be done through uh, what is known as personal development. If you Google that and YouTube that, I actually, just a side note, uh, I don't really Google anything anymore because uh, the way that Google is trying to control uh, what you find and uh, not that YouTube doesn't, but I know I know that YouTube is owned by Google, but I have found better educational stuff. And for me personally, video is superior uh, than just being able to read something. But I do a lot of searches through YouTube. And if you look up personal development through YouTube, you'll find some really great uh, speakers. And I know some people will think, oh, great, motivational, you know, uh, Tony Robbins, personal development, right? But a lot of these things really can change your life because I don't think, I just don't think that we think enough about ourselves from the inside out. Um, I think we, we maybe in our heads we're like, oh, you know, if I listen to some music, like that'll get me hyped for the gym, right? Like, and you just have these things that you gravitate towards. Um, if I have some caffeine, it's going to wake me up. If I do this, it's going to do that. But you're not really thinking like on a deeper level, um, such as something like meditation, right? Which might, somebody might think, oh, that's corny or weird. Uh, well, meditation could be something that 
if you do some meditating now, by the time you're 30, 40, 50, 70, and so on, maybe that'll pay off to the point where uh, you live a better and a fuller life because you manage stress better because you meditate. You know, you just don't know what these things are going to lead to. So in my opinion, it's really, really valuable that you poke around and you try to educate yourself. When you look at the internet now and you look at something like Instagram, there's some really great things to it. and There's some really bad things to it. One of the great things, one of the great things about the internet is that you can search and you can look for every single thing that you love and that you like. And then from there, things are modeled after what you've looked at previously and you're thrown more stuff that you like. And that's the, that's the reason why when we're watching TV, we get disinterested and we start thumbing through our phone so much. A lot of it has to do with that the phone and the stuff that we're looking at is more uh, personalized towards, towards the things that we're, we're gravitating towards. And, uh, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to, when it comes to that kind of stuff, you'll have to be careful that you're not getting trapped into things that you don't really love and to things that you don't really like that much. Like, you know, looking at some girl's butt, it's, yeah, you can be like, Oh my God, that girl looks great. Right. But like, what is that really doing anything else? Right. Like, is that, if you're with somebody or you're married, then it's definitely not a great, uh, a great thing to, uh, to be dabbling in too much because, you know, you have to keep in mind that we end up becoming our, our very own thoughts and we start to drift away from our, our core values and stuff. And you don't have to be a robot and you don't have to be a lunatic about it, but I think that, um, you kind of catch my drift. Yeah, I mean, you, Still there? yeah, you've mentioned, you know, that your family there and, you, you know, you've definitely shown to be a, like a great father and you're sort of devoted to your wife. So, you know, what is that? What do you think it makes a good man? Is it like going out and providing for your kids? Is it, you know, ignoring like uh, these like sexual images on Instagram and spending time with your kids instead and making sure they're provided for you. What what, what goes into your mind when you think of what makes a good man? Is it somebody that was like your father? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, my dad is my idol. I've posted many times about that in the past. Um, You know, what makes a good man to me is somebody that's going to follow through with the agreements and the arrangements uh, maybe that they already have or the, um, you know, we all have this self-talk. And following through on your self-talk, I think, is critical. Um, People have heard me in the past mention that cowards talk about things that they'll never do. And I am a big believer in that. And that I don't think, I don't think there's a man on this planet that can withstand somebody calling them a coward. Right? Like, it's just, it's like, it's an embarrassing word. And and it sounds so harsh, but um, I've been cowardly myself. I, I've done that before, right? I, I've broken values that that I've had in the past. Like we all we're, we're all guilty. We all do it, but you want to try to follow through as much as you possibly can. And just to touch back upon the awakening thing, so I drifted away from it a little bit. Uh, an awakening for me, you know, I had a few of them in my life. My brother passing away was, was a huge, uh, turning point, pivot point in my life, uh, to realize, understand, have a better perspective 
on uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Um, he's somebody that had mental illness. He was bipolar. Um, and I sometimes would try to apply rational thought to uh, the way that he acted and the things that he did. And that was always uh, a mistake. And it gave me a better understanding of what that situation looks like. It gave me an opportunity to um, kind of have an awakening in a way of me being able to talk to other people and say, you know, cause everybody knows somebody that's addicted to something, right? Pretty much. Yeah. And it gave me the opportunity to say, Hey man, you know, don't look down on these people. They have, they have legitimate problems. You can't tell them to like, just knock it off because their drug addiction or whatever they're involved in, it could be a much deeper thing than just the drugs or just the alcohol. But even if it's not a deeper thing, uh, you still have to figure out, uh, is, is there some way that you can help them? And so I always advise people to, to, uh, to reach out and to try to, um, you know, just let people know, uh, that you're there. And then in terms of like having an, an individual awakening, um, you know, my brother passing, uh, getting married, having children, like all these things just make you more aware and mindful and uh, that's really something I'd like for people to get out of some of the message that I have is like, you don't need to be a robot. You don't need to, you know, never look at another woman again in your life. You don't need to not eat any carbs. You don't need to, you don't need to be this meticulous uh, machine. Uh, however, just be mindful, be mindful, be understanding of what it is that you're doing when you're drinking, you know, and you're trying to get a certain result from that drinking. Do you need to have, you know, uh, six glasses of wine, or, or could you just have two or three and have a nice desired effect, get into a good zone and then recover from that and, uh, and feel great the next day too. So a lot of it's about recovery. A lot of it's about, uh, healing from each and everything that we do, whether it's, uh, working out or drinking or whatever, whatever it is that you like to do, even some of our, uh, guilty pleasures, just whether it's food or sex or whatever it is, just, uh, you know, make sure you have a handle on it. Make sure that you're spending more time uh, being in control rather than out of control. And part of the awakening is also uh, just being real with yourself, being a little bit logical, taking a step back. Do I drink too much coffee? Do I have too much pre-workout? Would it be wise for me to cut my pre-workout in half because I have three of them a day? Would it be wise for me to not drink so much monster energy drink? Would it be wise for me to cut back on the amount of pizza that I have, or the amount of beer that I have, or would it be wise for me to go on some 10 minute walks? Would it be wise for me to get better sleep? Just be more mindful so you can be healthier and you can't kick ass in life if these other things uh, don't start to get in order because at some point everyone will worry about their health and at some point uh, one day when we're all on our deathbed, we'll be concerned about our health and our strength. We won't be strong enough to even lift ourselves up out of the damn bed. Yeah, I mean, you, you're very sort of reflective on where you are and how you got there and stuff. So how did you do that? Was it just something that slowly came into your mind or did you write stuff out? Did you start looking at it or, you know, did you speak to a therapist or, you know, how can somebody else that's going through these kind of issues how can they start dealing it with themselves is it just a bit of reflection time and pull yourself out of everybody spend more time with your family you know what kind of things helped you during this time i'd say it's a combination of a couple things um 
where I would start, the number one spot that I would start just because it's not convenient um, would be I would start with trying to hang out with people that are above and, and or better than you. You know, like it's hard. It's hard to like say that. Right. It's hard to just say, oh, that person's above me. But but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Right. The person uh, now morally and value wise and everything else. I mean, who knows what the person does behind closed doors? We're never going to know everything about everybody. Right. But who are some people that you uh, really admire that are in your circle? It could be somebody who's just extremely positive. They don't have to have uh, a Range Rover or a mansion or anything like that. could just be somebody where you're like, you know what? I cannot figure this guy out. He's so happy all the time. Try to get around that person more. Try to find a few more people that are like that and see if you can have some coffee with them. See if you can uh, hang out with them for a day. See if you can invite them over your house to have some dinner. These people will be extremely pivotal in your success because when you hang around success, you start to become that and you start to see what they do on a daily basis. And sometimes it leaves you scratching your head. You're like, man, I'm nothing like this guy. But guess what will happen when you hang around them enough? you will start to become more like them. You'll start to, the things that you admire in them, they'll just start to rub, they'll literally, literally rub off on you and you'll end up doing uh, a lot of these things. Somebody that comes to mind for me uh, is Stan Efforting, uh, Kelly Sturett, Matt Vincent, Jesse Burdick, Ed Cohn. All these people have been really close friends that when I hang out with them, I'm like, wow, when they have a, when they have a choice, you know, to when Jesse Burdick has a choice to uh, go out and party when we were in Vegas for the Olympia or just go and grab a steak dinner, he chooses the steak dinner, right? Mm-hmm. When, uh, when Ed Cohn is, is faced with uh, somebody asking him to go out to a party or just wrapping it up and getting to bed early, he wraps it up early. You know, you start to hang around these people. You hang around a Kelly Sturette and you see the crazy amount of work ethic the guy has. Uh, he's got endless amounts of energy and that'll rub off on you too. And you sit there and go, Oh my God, like how is this person able to handle so much stuff? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's progressive, you know, in, in powerlifting, we talk about progressive overload and you want to start to progressively overload your life with things, things that you need to get done. Uh, you want to start to progressively overload over a period of time, work on trying to handle, uh, more stuff. You're not going to be able to handle more stuff just right out of the gate, out of nowhere. But you know, over a period of time, you'll be able to. And so that would be num- number one place is like hang out with uh, friends that aren't pieces of shit. And then number uh, number two is spend time with yourself. You know, that, that's critical. You, got, you have to spend some time with yourself. The way I do it is through uh, music. Um, I try to meditate, but I suck at it. So I've been working on that. Um, what sort of music would and, you listen and to? Just, um, you know, it, it uh, something I've heard, I don't know where I heard it from, but uh, it was actually very helpful, was try to listen to music that is, um, that's old, uh, that, that uh, is nostalgic to you. Rather than trying to search for new music, um, because that can be a headache in, in and of itself, uh, try to find something that, that you already know that you love and appreciate, and that's a lot easier. So for me, 
I like Metallica a lot. I listen to a lot of Metallica. I like Johnny Cash a lot, but it's really just whatever, whatever you're into. Um, it could be fast. It could be slow. doesn't really matter. Um, but that'll, that some of those things will help. And you can just, for this kind of stuff, you can just, you know, turn the music on and you can go for a good fast paced walk and you can think about your day and you can think about different things, uh, that you, uh, would, would like to accomplish. And the, another part of this, uh, kind of self-reflection or personal development process is you're going to want to try to educate yourself. So if you just walk and listen to music, that's not going to be very educational. Um, podcasts can be very helpful and, uh, they, they can be of tremendous value. Maybe you, maybe you feel stressed out. Maybe you have anxiety. So then you listen to somebody that talks about that topic and talks about how to cope with it, how to deal with it. Uh, another quick example would be, um, I like to go on YouTube and I listen to, I listen to all different kinds of speakers. Um, I, I would like to continue to be uh, a better educator. I'd like to continue to be a better, um, a public figure, public speaker. And the only way you're ever going to be able to figure that out is by communicating better and figuring out different ways of communicating. And so, you know, I'll try to watch, um, or listen to, um, you know, somebody, you know, somebody having a famous speech or there's all different kinds of things that you can end up doing, but I don't just sit there and listen to it. I actually sit there and take notes. So it's, um, it's a, a version of, um, of like going to school, but back to what I said about the internet being like an open, it's an open source for you to source anything that you're into. Whereas when you went to school, you were in history and then you were stuck in math and you were stuck in English, right? You're stuck in these different classes and you're pissed about it because you, you can't break out and listen to or do anything that you want. Now you have the opportunity to do everything you want. And I don't think people are taking advantage of that enough. Um, instead, they're fucking around on social media, social media and looking at is more for other people than it is for you. I think that's a good perspective for people to have. Social media is more for other people than it is actually for you. So dive into shit. That's for you. Social media will not make you better. You might get better at social media by being on social media because you might get some ideas, but that's going to be minuscule minuscule that's going to be tiny in comparison to what's really out there for you because if you can unlock your own potential and if you can have better individualism among just amongst yourself then you'll be that individual that everybody else wants to be rather than just following hundreds and hundreds of people i mean this is why i was so so keen to speak to you because you know, I could have started this podcast with how do guys go wrong in the gym? You know, what's the best set range for such and such? But I think this is the problem is we all get so kind of uh, into our own BS about it. Whereas, you know, there's so much deeper stuff and, you know, there's so much more to you that I think a lot of kind of proverbial meatheads, we think, you know. So what um you always seem to take life very sort of laugh you know you're always laughing you're very happy what other kind of hobby um habits do you think men would better from by doing daily you know is there things that you just think guys should be doing 24 7 that would really change their lives yeah i think that you should always try to have fun and that's something i really learned from my children my son jake and and my daughter quinn 
Um, and anybody listening to this that has kids or, or has some uh, young nieces or nephews would know this too, that when you have uh, young children, all they want to do is like play. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter where you are. You might be in line um, at the bank and they like all of a sudden figure out some weird game, you know, with their shoe or something <laughs> like, what the hell are they doing? And sometimes it's annoying, right? Because they're kind of acting up or being too loud or whatever it might be. But uh, I think that um, as adults, I think that we need that characteristic. We could use more of that for sure. And I think that that would help us uh, relax and that would help us uh, mitigate stress. And it would help us in a lot of, a lot of situations for sure. So um, I think that that would be a big part of it. You know, just almost, almost like you're always looking for fun. Like you're kind of in search of it. Like, what would be more fun to do, you know, or, um, for me, like on the podcast, I might even interrupt people a little too much because I, I want to throw in a joke, you know, um, just, I mean, without being rude, uh, you know, don't, don't bite your tongue, like, like throw in, throw in your joke, even if it's like not, even if it's not that funny, you know, say, say your, uh, say your piece. And I think that that would help a lot of people. Um, also too, like, think about your, um, this has been big for me recently. Um, think about like your facial expressions. Like you ever just, you ever just look at somebody and like, man, that guy's pissed. And like the guy's not doing anything. He's just like, I don't know, looking at his phone or like, or he's just standing in line at a coffee shop or something. He just looks mad. Be aware of your facial expressions because again, our thoughts can start to become, it can make up parts of who and what we are. And I think you should always be uh, a little bit mindful of that. Not that you have to lie to yourself, but if you're sitting there with this frowny face going on, um, that's probably, you know, some indication of how you feel. You're probably like, you know, I always say you can see when people are like wearing it, quote unquote, wearing it. You can see it. Uh, they're just wearing it on their face. They look, they look tense. Um, it's almost like being aware that you're clenching your fist real hard. You know, you might be doing something that doesn't even require you to clench your fist, but there you are for whatever reason, you're stressed and your fist is all tightened up. So in other words, you know, loosen up, try to relax a little bit and be mindful of those scowly faces. Like think about if someone was going to take your picture, like, would you want, would you want to be caught? Like, you know, making that, uh, making that crazy frowny face, or would you rather like look a little bit more, um, upbeat? Last part of that would be like, you want to be the person that when we all have somebody and everyone's going to get this image in their head right away. We all have people in our lives that when we, when you see them, like, let's say you're picking this person up from the airport, you're driving around and you go to pick them up from the airport. The second that you see that person, you immediately are smiling and sometimes laughing. You're like, Oh, there he is. Like there, he's so funny. He's so happy. Like there, for whatever reason, that person triggers that in you, that person triggers that emotion in you. Um, and I'm not like, you know, so like slapstick, silly, crazy over the top. I'm probably not, I probably don't represent that for every person that knows me well, but that's the kind of thing that you want to have happen when somebody sees you and you don't want the opposite to happen. You don't want to be like, Oh my God, here comes Mark. Like you don't want people being all stressed out and all flustered because you're there. You want to be like, 
fuck yeah. Like today just got a lot better because this guy's here right now in my presence. And so that's, that's, those are the things to focus on in my opinion. So, I mean, you've, you certainly come across as somebody that enjoys life and you know that you you bring happiness to everybody else and you know you're sort of universally loved across the fitness industry but do you think that's where your creativity has come from you, you've created some amazing products and you know you've created more content than anybody else in the world um as you've mentioned recently so how you know is that where that creativity comes from it's that you're having fun that you're just open to the moment and you're actually experiencing it rather than taking a picture for social media of it yeah you know um i would say that uh again you know back to the upbringing i think the upbringing allowed the creativity to be born um because um you know like if, if i had to think about getting a construction job every summer because we didn't have enough money and we didn't have enough this or that, uh, then maybe my life would have been wrapped up in something else. And maybe I would have like dove into something else, but, um, my dad did well with his business. My mom did well, uh, raising us. And, um, you know, my, my parents got us a weight set when, when I was really young and we were kind of off to the races with just, you know, uh, li- lifting in our garage. And from the time I was, 12, I've been thinking about lifting. So it's not really coincidental that I ended up creating a product like slingshot. So I think a lot of that has come from the fact that I guess, I guess in some, some other words, uh, I didn't have any real serious shit to worry about. And so I was able to play and be creative and, and have fun. I think nowadays, um, it sometimes gets a little bit harder because I may not have all that personal time to myself, but, um, I rely on other people now and I, I push stuff off onto others. Um, for example, tomorrow we have Jay Cutler coming in the gym and I just kind of told some of my staff, I said, uh, you guys think about, you know, what you'd like to get out of having Jay Cutler here. Obviously, whenever we have a guest, we want them to feel welcome and we want them to get something out of it as well. Uh, but that pushes that creativity over to them. They might think of something real specific. And uh, at, the thing to realize when you do start to do this kind of thing is, number one, if you're going to give something to somebody, you got to let them really run with it. And you also need to have two understandings of two outcomes. One is that they could fumble what you did. They could screw it up, right? But that shouldn't be where your mind is at. Your mind should actually be thinking about, huh, I wonder, I wonder how they're, I wonder how this is going to play out. I wonder what this is going to look like when I just give them the ball and I just let them run with it. I, I want to see what this is going to look like. Have the understanding that they can end up doing a better job than you. Also have the understanding that in two weeks, three weeks, six months, eight months, two years, they could do a way better job than you because they're doing it all the time. So when we start to, you know, most of the video content that, uh, that has been created for my YouTube channel, super training 06, I mean, there's a few thousand videos on there. Almost every single thing that's ever been posted on there, um, is either just flat out training footage, um, or an idea that I had until recently over the last year, we've had, uh, Chris Griffin has taken over, uh, that has taken over uh, the YouTube channel and him and some of the other guys uh, that run the YouTube channel, uh, 
are a hundred percent responsible for what you see now. So that's been a huge help for me. It pulls a lot of stress away from me. Um, and then same thing with every single product that you see that's in the slingshot line from hip circles to knee sleeves. There's not one thing, even all the way through the apparel and everything, there's not really anything that you're going to find that wasn't created by me. Everything is created hundred uh, percent by me. A lot of it was created for me uh, initially, um, you know, like the compression cuffs and slingshots because I tore my pec. Um, and then, but as we keep moving forward, in order for the company really to grow and expand, it can't always be that way. Um, we're going to have to be more creative. We're going to have to figure out ways of kind of injecting more fun into the company. And also on a more serious note, like more technology. And for example, we have sleeves coming out, um, that drop next week that they're called X sleeves. And because I was a geared power lifter wearing powerlifting equipment, like squat suits and bench shirts, these knee sleeves are made out of the same material as my squat suit used to be made out of. It's made out of uh, denim and these knee sleeves are just absolutely crazy. So all these things, uh, all these things play into it all and having a good team. Um, anyone that's listening to this podcast, trying to try to tap into some business advice, you want business advice. The greatest thing I can ever tell you is to have a good team. And if you're like, Oh my God, I, I, don't, I can't afford a team figure it out because having a team will be your most valuable asset that you'll have for now. Still a lot of stuff is kicked up from me, but as we keep moving forward, uh, inch by inch, more and more of the team is getting involved, uh, with these projects. And it's a lot of these guys are testing the products with me. They're giving me feedback. Hey, this is a great idea. Hey, this is a shit idea. Hey, what if we did this? The, having a sounding board like that um, ends up being uh, a big part, big piece of the puzzle as well. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly something that I've noticed is the podcasts where we I speak to people like Chad Wesley Smith, Pete Rubish, you know, like Alice Little, these kind of people where we discuss concepts rather than just how many sets should I do this? Should I lift you know should i be wearing a bench shirt when i do x you know it really kind of opens it up and it they're a lot more helpful to people and it's like you're mentioning you know we're not kind of just focusing on the the basics we're kind of really thinking about things so has your has your podcast helped you change the way you looked at fitness life and things like that is there anybody that you've had on that's really kind of blown you away or has made you change the, the way you look at life um, the podcast has been has been amazing, and you know, I think there's some confusion too from people. You know, we had we had uh, Mark Bell's Powercast, and that went on for years, and then we switched it over to Power Project. Um, we used to have uh, it used to be me, Silent Mike, and Jim McDee, and just like with any you know any band or any you know anybody that's together, a lot of times there's some. Uh, there's some falling out and there's some, some different things that go on, but with silent Mike, you know, it's just time for him to uh, move on and, and he wanted to get involved and start to do more of his own thing. Uh, and with Jim, it was kind of the same thing. Like just everything just kind of ran its course and the podcast, what we found out the podcast was actually very stressful for him. Um, it started to kind of be a, a little bit more of a negative thing for me too. I wasn't really enjoying it as much at the beginning 
And uh, as you mentioned before this podcast started, you said life's short. Like it's too short to do shit that you don't want to do and that's not fun. And uh, I ultimately just said to Jim, you know, hey, I appreciate everything you've done. It It was great, but I don't think it makes sense for us to continue because the only reason why we're really doing it right now uh, feels like because we have advertising, like we have advertise advertisements to fulfill. And I said, it just doesn't seem, just doesn't seem right anymore. And I'd rather just move on and, and start to do my own thing. So that's when uh, the, the um, power project, that's how that came to be. And as soon as we started doing that, I started doing a lot more of them. I kind of got reinvigorated and we don't have advertising on there. Um, you know, I could easily make six figures in advertising, maybe even more, um, to by picking up some friends as sponsors and people I know it would not be difficult at all, but I choose to not do that because I don't want to clog up the podcast. The podcast is to give you information. Uh, the podcast is to be informative and fun infotainment. I like to call it, uh, give to, to teach people to have people learn like if i'm going to be the people's coach then i need many different ways of being able to uh communicate with you and do you f- one of the things that oh go ahead oh, sorry i was saying and do you find just the basic questions nowadays when people say things like how many sets should i do what lifts accessory lifts oh yeah is that really is it getting to the point where you're thinking i've done a video on it go watch that you know, these are, there's bigger concepts to understand as men. Yeah. It depends on who's on the, on the show, you know? Um, and it depends on, you know, if I've had them on before too, um, you get someone like Chad Wesley Smith on your show and it's, it can be a mistake to not ask him at least a little bit about programming since that's his forte, you know, um, or squat technique or, you know, how, how do I get past this uh, sticking point? Like he just has so much, some of these guys have so much experience, um, with, uh, you know, somebody like, uh, Pete Rubish, you know, it makes sense to say, Pete, how the hell have you deadlifted 900 pounds? You're not that heavy of a guy. Like what, you know, what's going on? Like it, it, those are, those are valid, those are valid questions. But when you think about in particular, and you think about Pete Rubish, what has made Pete Rubish popular? What has made Pete Rubish famous? It's not really the actual weight. It's the way that he lifted. You know, it's not, it's not the weight that he lifted. It's the way that he did it. And that's what people got behind. People saw a kid lifting in his basement. I remember the one video where there's like some sort of storm going on outside and the lights in the basement keep flickering as he's like lifting and I think ultimately the light goes out and he still does a big deadlift and it's like almost pitch black in there. And it's, it's just, it's just so uh, rugged and so unrefined and stuff. And that's what people love. And, and a lot of people can identify with that, especially think about if you're a teenage kid or just a young kid and, and you don't really have a lot of direction in your life, maybe you don't even really love lifting that much, but watching that person express themselves in that way, could give you a lot of confidence, could uplift you a lot. And so I think, you know, when it comes down to some of these specific questions, um, it, it really just depends on which, you know, who you have on your show and um, kind of where they are in their life too. Cause a lot of, sometimes younger guys, they won't have much reflection and sometimes they won't have anything to say. Um, sometimes they, 
sometimes they're literally only a 900 pound deadlifter. That's all they got. That's all they know. That's, that's, uh, they, they haven't maybe been married. They haven't had kids. They haven't traveled. They haven't, there's just not enough life experience for, uh, certain things to be kicked up to where they would even feel all that comfortable, uh, talking about, like, even for example, if you ask somebody, you said, hey, what do you think of our current president? They might be like, I don't know, because they might not even like, they just might not even think about it just because they're young and that, that they don't, they don't think much about it. Or I've asked people on the show before if they believe in God and they're like, I'm not sure. Like they, that just kind of shows you that they, they, they probably, you probably haven't really like just sat down and, and thought about it. Cause that's a lot of younger people, uh, they care about today and what's going to happen within the next uh, three minutes. Yeah, uh, see, that's the problem nowadays is we're all concerned about likes and you know the followers and stuff like that. We we've, we've forgotten how to actually enjoy life. You know, there's that picture of the concert and there's like a hundred people in the shot and they're all got their phones out except for one little old lady who's just sitting there enjoying the concert while everybody else is recording the right. moment rather than actually experiencing the moment. And do you think that's? I mean, it's is that what helped you experience life was lifting heavy weights and feeling part of the moment and feeling the weight on your back or is that some you know is that the kind of thing that goes through your mind when you lift or do you kind of enjoy the way it makes you know it feels you after like the lifting heavy makes you feel afterwards or you know can you suggest other ways that maybe people who don't want to lift could experience that kind of feeling that you're talking about yeah um so kind of two things on that one is um you know the social media thing can be very dangerous and and i think that people just blow it off they don't think much about it um but it's killing people i mean it really literally is is, it's hurting people uh it's giving people a lot of stress the stress and damage that we have today is 10 times greater than we've ever experienced before and it doesn't really make any sense i mean hearing in i know that you're not in the united states but here in the united states i mean everyone has it pretty good for the most part uh we have you know food readily available we got a lot of people have air conditioning in their homes in the summer and heat in the winter and like running water right like we have we have a lot of these things we have access to a lot of these things and people still are uh and people have nice cars and they they have and they have enough money to do a lot of the things that they want to do. Maybe they don't have all the money that they want, but they have enough money to eat and do the things they want to do. Um, and still, people are very unhappy. And I think that social media is is a big part of it. And I think I think it's wise for everybody, especially if you're trying to start a business. Wise for everybody to have a shut off point with their phone. Have a shut off point with the access to the outside world. If you look at a lot of my stuff, most of my posts are done pretty early in the morning. Um, if you look at my Instagram story, for example, it will just die like around three or 4 PM. A lot of times, unless I'm still at the gym, it, it'll just, you just won't see anything anymore. It's because, uh, I'm learning, you know, and I'm working on, you know, putting my phone away, uh, for that second half of the day. Um, I notice I just want to carry it around with me all the time. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I'll go in the hot tub to relax. And sometimes I still bring my phone with me because I might want to play some music or something, but I, I'm not, you know, I end up, I end up, you know, searching Instagram. I end up looking up stuff. I end up thinking of stuff and you, 
the, the more time that you spend away from your phone, the more productive that you'll be when you have it back in your hand. And so I think that's a really good way of, of viewing it. I think that, um, you know, if you sleep eight hours a day and you probably eat for about two hours per day, that's 10 hours of your day that's gone. You probably have about 14 hours or so, um, 13 hours with shower and some of the different things, you know, you got other things are going to kind of take up your time automatically using the bathroom and everything else. But you got like 13, 14 hour day probably where you can be productive. Can you have your phone for maybe about two of those hours or maybe even like 90 minutes and be productive on it with emails and everything? I would say, yeah, you can. Uh, I would say that would be true for even like the busiest person. So I think that, you know, people try to take it lightly um, in talking to somebody recently on our podcast, Jason Harrison, who owns Kuyu, he said six, he said when he gets home from his, from work, he takes the phone and just chucks it in a drawer and that's it. It's done. He's done with it every day. He, he does not. And that's, that's a good rule. So I was doing something similar with before I went to bed, uh, I wouldn't text from my bed and I put my phone down in the other room to charge and things like that. But that wasn't as effective as what he's talking about. So I got to kind of up my game. Take some pride in being away from your phone a little bit more to answer your second part of your question about like feeling the weights and, and feeling some of that stuff. Nothing really compares to heavy weights. However, um, you know, if you listen to Kyle Kingsbury or you listen to people from the Ana Academy um, and you listen to Paul check, uh, Paul check is somebody that people that are listening to this podcast should check out. You might think he's weird, but man, does he have a lot of good concepts and ideas? Um, you, you can only reach these, uh, like height. You can't, you can't always reach these heightened uh, feelings of awareness and you can't always get these certain feelings going unless you're in a particular state. Um, sometimes they happen naturally just because of the course of the day and, uh, just because the way things are going, but almost always they're going to have to be physical. These are going to be things that you'll have to physically try to get yourself to go through. Um, and <laughs> sometimes, uh, some people will utilize, um, uh, psychedelic drugs to try to get themselves to that spot. I think anybody listening to this, not even psychedelic drugs, I would say drugs, period, um, and I, I want to kind of also say that drugs can be very dangerous. You got to be careful, but, uh, something like marijuana, even some alcohol, um, a product like Kratom, my brother and I really enjoy, uh, Kratom, which can help with some pain relief. It can help with, uh, some depression. It can help with some anxiety. Um, again, you know, use all this stuff with caution, make sure you're a healthy person before you even think about any of these things. But, I think anybody that listens to this show would agree that when you have a drink, it makes you feel different than when you don't have a drink. Think about going to a party and you have two drinks versus when you go to a party and don't have any drinks. It just puts you in a different frame of mind. It just puts you in a different, in a different, puts you in a slightly kind of altered state, different uh, state of well-being. Well, I think that physical activity is also another way to get there. You might be able to get there too through like uh, just just exploring, um, but it would kind of depend on the type of person you would you would be. But I think that that would be physical activity as well. 
like if you were um if you're on a trail run or you were just uh mountaineering or just um just even walking through a trail you can get to some of these spots and i'm not talking physically i'm talking more mentally um by doing some of these things and you can end up with some of these really really great feelings if people are listening right now going what the fuck is he talking about i'm talking about having a sense of like euphoria and uh maybe like just having a different perspective on things um that's why some of the best music of all time people talk about performance enhancing drugs in sports but they don't talk about performance enhancing drugs in art they don't talk about performance enhancing drugs in music and in music it's been lsd it's been marijuana it's been mushrooms all those things have led to some of the greatest music uh that we listen to i don't I don't ever dabble in any of the, any of that kind of stuff, but I'm just, the reason why I'm mentioning it is because it can get you to a certain uh, state without, without the exercise. But I do think that exercise is another way to get there. And I do think that the two things are probably still uh, a little bit different from each other, but squatting, you know, squatting a thousand pounds, bench pressing 800 pounds. Um, those things are hard to be relatable to anything else, but um I would say what I enjoyed about those things, what I loved about those things was the amount of, was the amount of pressure and just seeing the amount of weight on the bar and being able to mentally, uh, defeat myself, defeat my own self doubt, self doubt creeps. And you're like, Holy shit. I remember a lot of times not even looking at the weight. I was like, I cannot, I cannot look at what's on the bar right now because that is just too freaking wild. I uh, remember in, in the gym one day I wanted to do 20 45-pound plates, which is 10 45-pound plates on each side of the bar, and this was for a bench press, and I was in, in, a, uh, in a bench shirt, and I, I remember that I did it. I think it was, uh, if I can remember correctly, let's say like 925 or 945 or something, something just absolutely uh, absurd with like a 50-pound bar or 45-pound bar. Um, I just knew if we got all the thin plates from the gym that we could, that we could load, load that up that way. And again, that, that was to try to, you know, defeat that mental barrier that's uh, kind of in the way for all of us. But that feeling that I had after doing stuff like that, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I get up on the bench press and celebrate or, or anything like that. But um, you just felt accomplished. And again, it goes back to what I mentioned quite a bit earlier in the podcast where I talked about uh, progressive overload. That's what it is. It's accumulation of you getting better. It's a byproduct of you getting better. And the cool thing about getting better all the time when maybe others aren't as focused in on that is that you get to lap everybody else. You get to not only just like pass them up, but you get to like, be like, Hey man, this is my third or fourth time around the track and you only went around twice. It makes you feel really, really fucking good because you know how hard you don't have to like rub it in on anybody or anything, but you just know how hard you worked to get there. And the, uh, the other cool side of that is that you don't even need to say anything because everybody else knows everyone else is like, fuck man, how the hell did he just do that? And you know how you did it. You did it the same way that they're trying to do it, except for you just put that much more into it. I mean, that's the good thing about this is I know that if the money wasn't there, if the fame wasn't there, you would still be doing the same thing over and over. You'd still be speaking to the people the same way. You'd still be talking to people. You know, you still have that personality. 
and you can kind of notice it with different people like some some of my most um well-received podcasts have been where people have talked concepts of ideas you know and they've maybe not talked like oh you should have asked about x you should have asked about y but you know just having them sit and talk about something people have come back and gone oh i finally understood that that makes sense that helped me change something else in their life you know and i think this is the part the problem is we we all want to accumulate information rather than looking at the you know what's really going on and i think this is the thing is you're opening up a lot of guys who maybe they just want to grant a few pounds out you're making them actually think about things so i think that's probably why you're known as a people's coach so you know how do you deal with this kind of like you know how do you deal with working with your brother how do you deal with working with like your team and that how you know isn't isn't lifting more of a individual sport you know how how do you transition from being a boss to a coach to a competitor yeah you know it's um it's it's been a it's been a great it's been a great transition um you know i i really um i really enjoy coaching people um and i feel that uh, i have a lot of friends that execute really well with coaching um, but I, I feel that I'm one of the best in the world when it comes to coaching. The reason why I can confidently say that is because it's something that I still do a tremendous amount of. Now, I, I don't coach like via phone. I don't, I don't write programs and that kind of stuff. So some people that are you know, executing really well on some stuff like that, like Chad Wesley Smith and stuff. But I can watch any person lift. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're a power lifter, a weight lifter, crossfitter, computer programmer. Uh, a movie producer, like no matter who it is, I can help anybody uh, with their squat. I can help anybody with their deadlift. I can help anybody with their bench press. Uh, even got an email uh, a while back from uh, Do- Donald Trump Jr. about uh, he said he sucks at his squat. So uh, that that was an interesting one. But I feel that I can I can help anybody get stronger, even just within a few minutes just uh, of watching their lift. Now, sometimes it depends on the person. You can't always get, uh, you can't always get that 50 pound, you know, PR out of nowhere, but sometimes it works out that way, uh, depending on, uh, what some of the issues are. I think something that's made me a good coach was having Louis Simmons as a mentor in terms of coaching Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell, one of the strongest gyms in the history of strength training. Um, you know, Louis was able to, he was able to pick apart what you were doing and he was able to break it down and turn it into other exercises. So he'd watch you squat and he would say, you need glute ham raises. You know, he would watch you squat and say, Oh my God, you need a lot of upper back work. You need, you need to do a lot of, um, you know, bent over rows, you need to do a lot of arching and a lot of pause work with, uh, you know, the, these particular movements, whatever he deemed, you know, valuable for you or, or whatever, whatever it might be. But he was, you know, he was really good at that, and I picked up a lot of that stuff. And when I, when I coach somebody, I think a lot of times people are kind of shocked that I don't really say anything. I just sit there and watch you lift. And the reason why I don't say anything is because I have to see how your body moves. I have to see how your body works. Um, I can't just say, "Hey, this is the way that you're going to squat. You're going to have your elbows together like this, and your chest is going to be up," and because that's not always right for every person. What I've learned and what I've seen over the years, I might have people in a row lined up to deadlift at a seminar, and 
a girl might come up and I might say, oh my God, you need to keep your head down when you deadlift. And then a guy might come up right after her and I might say, oh my God, you need to keep your head up when you deadlift. It's like, how could the information be so different? Well, these two athletes have way different strength levels. These two athletes have way different mobility uh, through their hips, their hamstrings, their upper body. A lot of times we'll see athletes that will that are mobile and maybe not as strong. A lot of times the stronger athletes have less mobility, so the two things go hand in hand normally. But when somebody ha- doesn't have great mobility and uh, they go to get in position for a deadlift, it's going to look a lot different than somebody who has been doing yoga or gymnastics their whole life. And that person who's doing yoga and gymnastics their whole life, you're going to have to figure out a way how can they keep tightness? How can they maintain keeping a rigid body when their body is very springy, their body is very loose, their body is is going to move in like three or four different parts rather than trying to move all as one piece in, in a deadlift. And part of the way we shut some of these things off, it's, it's almost like shutting off a valve that has, a, you know, that maybe you have, a, you know, like water coming out of a, a valve and you got like four or five valves, right? Well, when we're trying to lift heavy weight, we only want the water shooting out one direction. We only want it coming out one way. we to figure out a way to shut off where this other sources of energy are being dispersed because it's, it's in the wrong way. It's in the wrong, uh, it's a waste of energy. It's a, uh, a movement that does, is not necessary to what it is they're, they're doing. So for example, the deadlift, we'll see, you know, uh, maybe somebody's ass will shoot up first, then they round over, then they're trying to figure out how to pull the weight from there. Then their head comes way up and they just have tons and tons of dysfunction going on. So a way that we shut a lot of these things off is a we remove some weight because uh, a lot of times when we have heavier weight on we can't think of what we're doing all we can think about is trying not to die and so <laughs> having less weight on there can can really be useful because then you can actually think and talk yourself through the lift or the coach can coach you through the lift which is uh, way way different than you trying to go 100 miles an hour with 500 pounds. So reducing the weight would be uh, a huge part of it. Getting coached through it, slowing down the tempo would be a big part of it. And the last thing that I've seen that works almost every single time is this: is to just change the person's head positioning. Sometimes it's to do with feet, but, but a lot of times it's the head. And for the head, we like to try to keep the chin down. And I've actually done this with people before. I'll put it like a, a ball, a baseball, or like a softball underneath their chin. And you got to try to keep that ball underneath your chin the whole time because your neck is a very powerful component to this whole thing. And if, and if you lose positioning in your neck, a lot of times uh, it's because other things started to unravel as well, like your lower back. Um, and you just end up in this crazy, uh, crazy position. I think CrossFitters refer to it as uh, like you end up in this stripper position because your ass goes way up your back is all arched, all weird, and it just starts to look kind of funky. And so one way to shut that down and to shut those valves off that are dispersing energy in the wrong ways is simply just kind of tuck that chin down and keep your keep your chin almost tied to your chest. As the weight starts to come off the ground and in a deadlift, as the weight starts to get to that mid-chin, then you can you can kind of throw your head up or throw your head back a little bit, but uh, in the beginning of the lift, you want to keep it all locked in because 
If it's not locked in, what that means is that your shoulder blades aren't locked in, your lats aren't tight, your whole body is not in a good, strong, powerful position to try to maintain position throughout the entire range of motion. And that is powerlifting. Powerlifting is your ability to find a position and say, I am staying right here no matter what. I'm not moving. I don't care that it's 1,000 pounds. I don't care it's 500 pounds. You don't care what the weight is. You're not going to let your body become unraveled from those weights. I think CrossFit uses a really good term. They say broken. And uh, what a great example that is. Yeah, someone ends up looking broken when they try a 500-pound deadlift and uh, they're not prepared for it. So you want your lifts to be unbroken. You want your lifts to be crisp and you want them to be clean. And so transitioning into a, in, into some of the coaching stuff, you can see you know, how much of a tangent I went off on that because it is something I love to do. And I wish, I, I wish in a lot of ways I had uh, even more time for it because I, I really love that one-on-one just showing somebody how to do something and watching their eyes just light up and they're like, holy shit. Okay, cool. So that's a lot of fun. And I think that's definitely a great way to look at life because, you know, we do have too many open faucets when we're working out or when we're trying to focus on a college paper or a relationship. And we need to look at where, you know, the water's draining from and just be in that moment. And it's a great way of looking. I mean, can you deal with like somebody and say their head's not in it because they're thinking about X? Do you speak to them? about outside life you know how should a coach approach something like a, a problem athlete you know is there a way we can shut off the ego and just you know be in the moment yeah you know i um i do that often i i you know in seminars i'll even say like um you know if some of you guys want to walk out right now you can because i'm not going to talk about lifting weights i uh always say that um you know, if I'm going to teach you how to lift, I want to teach you how to live first. And it's not because I'm some superior being by any means, but I just have life experience. I was a professional wrestler for five years, played a lot of football. Uh, I was a boxer for a while. I've just, I've been around and, and I've always been somebody that always seeks out the best. When I was boxing, uh, I boxed with Kevin Rooney, who was the guy that trained Mike Tyson. When I was, when I was wrestling, I went to, uh, the greatest uh, training facility in the country to learn how to wrestle. Uh, I was in Ohio Valley Wrestling, which was in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, when I when I wanted to be uh, the best powerlifter I could be, I went to Louis Simmons. So I've always tried to surround myself and get around the best people. And because of that, I feel that I have a lot of things to share with people, especially people that are younger than me. And uh, I can give them information and have them uh, you know, learn from some of my mistakes so they don't end up kind of falling into some of the same pitfalls and, and making some of the mistakes that I've made. When you have an athlete that maybe isn't really paying attention, um, maybe it's somebody that you're working with that you want them to lose weight. Maybe it's somebody you're working with that you want them to improve their deadlift and they're always late or, you know, whatever some of these circumstances are, I think number one, you're going to have to understand their personality. You're going to have to try to get some perspective on why they are the way they are. And, uh, that'll help be less stressful for you. Um, I don't think the situation needs to be such a big deal to where you like ever belittle the person or, 
I mean, you may want to poke fun at fun at it a little bit, like the fact that they're late or the fact that, uh, you know, hey, if they put the same effort into their deadlift as they did to eating pizza, <laughs> they they could be they could be better, right? Like you might want to poke some fun at it because sometimes people respond that from from things as long as it's uh, you know not in a hateful way. Um, but uh, in general, you're, you're going to want to make sure that they're tuned in. You're going to want to make sure that they're actually listening to what you're saying. And you might have to say it from some different ways. You might have to try to get through to them in, in uh, multiple ways. But maybe it's not just a conversation in the gym. Maybe it's through text messages. Maybe it's through sending them a YouTube video. Hey, you know, this coach, look at this coach. You know, I, I, said, I said I think that you have tight hips. And, you know, I was going over some stuff with you today. And uh, look at this. This is from Kelly Surrett. He works with some of the best athletes in the world. And uh, he found something similar in a lot of his athletes. But I really think that the main thing here that we're talking about is empowering people and encouraging people. So rather than rather than being a coach who sits there and dissect stuff every time, you know, I'm a big proponent of inspiring people and getting them excited. And the only way to do that, the only way I know how to do that is to kind of share some of my experiences. Um, or just be like uplifting people. You don't need to lie. You don't want to blow smoke up people's ass either. But, you know, rather than, you know, maybe they're really struggling with something and maybe it's just for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. And rather than saying, man, you really suck at deadlifts. Maybe while you're teaching them how to deadlift, maybe you say, you know what? You're, you are so, you're such an awesome bench presser. If we can figure out a way to convert some of that over to this deadlift, you're going to be a fantastic power lifter. And, and I think that we can do it. Here's how, right? It's like, that's such a different, different way. And that, that's why I share with people. I say, inspired, inspire, don't instruct because inspiring somebody could be something that could really last forever. If you, if you give somebody instruction, I can show you how to deadlift. I could show you how to squat. I could sell you a slingshot. Um, but if I teach you about life, that's endless. You can use it forever, right? If I teach you about hard work and discipline and dedication and how, uh, you know, the more that you can put into something, the more that you get out of it. And if you have fun with it, rather than walking around pissed off, you'll be able to do it for a longer time. And if you gravitate towards the things you're passionate about, you don't ever have to really worry about having energy because it's not about having energy because it's a priority because it's the thing that you love the most. So it's all those, all those little tricks that I like to share, especially with uh, younger athletes, um, to, to inspire them and not have it just always be so monotonous with, hey, we need three sets of three. Because nothing has changed in strength training. Nothing has changed in fitness. Um, we can still get fit all the same ways that we used to be able to. We could still get strong all the same ways that we used to be able to. Five sets of five has worked for the last 50 years. <clears throat> And it will continue to work. And uh, three sets of 10 has always worked great with bodybuilding, um, varying your intensity, which is the amount of weight you put on the bar with the volume, the amount of overall work that you do in a day. Um, one thing that has changed a little bit, kind of more recently, at least in America, has been frequency, but that's been around forever too. The Russians used it. Um, the uh, Many, many great countries have used uh, the Romanians, that's what I was trying to think of. The Romanians used it. Um, frequency has been a, a big reason why you see some of the powerlifting numbers have been 
have been broken. And I think it's one of the main reasons why the females are so strong because they can handle uh, more, more frequency um, than even some of the men can. They can, they can lift more often. They can just do the, do the lifts more often. But as you start to break everything down and start to really look around, not much has changed. Everything's the same uh, when it comes to even being healthier. Um, I know there's like the ketogenic diet and I'm a promoter of the ketogenic diet, but like the keto diet's not new. It's been around since like the thirties and it's lost favor and it's come back and Dr. Atkins revitalized it in like the mid to late sixties and it comes and it goes and we end up back in the same spot that we always end up in, which is the answer lies in the middle. And when it comes to eating and when it comes to overall health, you should be making sure that you're drinking enough water. That's up to you to decide. Uh, you should be making sure that you get enough sleep. That's kind of up for you to decide. But they say, you know, seven to nine hours, somewhere in there, or eight to ten hours, depending on who you ask. And when it comes to food, don't overeat. The things that taste really good, stay away from them. Sugar, flour, overprocessed foods are not great for you. So you can eat them, but not in abundance. Uh, fruit, vegetables, meat. Stick to those things, eat those things more often. And it's like, it's, we're right back to where we started, you know, a hundred years ago, or 150 years ago. The answer always lies in the middle. Some can be great for you. Uh, too much of anything can be bad. <laughs> it's just, it's like ongoing cycle of, of things that, that just kind of keep revolving. That's why I tell people to be mindful. Just, just be mindful. Is it, is it a great idea? Like, Maybe I can't talk you out of drinking, but I might be able to say, is it a good idea for you to drink seven days a week? Is it a good idea for you to be drunk in front of your children all the time? Right? It's like, how can you not agree that that would be, that, that, that could be a problem, right? Okay. Well, maybe I'll drink three times a week and maybe when I drink, I won't get drunk. Okay. Well now, now we're talking about something more logical, right? Yeah. I mean, cause that's what I was going to say was it's, it's the way you analyze, uh, performer is also a great way that you could analyze a friendship and see where you could fix it you know a relationship with a parent you could take that approach for anybody listening and they could utilize you know improve their friendships improve the relationship with their family friends work colleagues you know it's the way like you know to open it up to be to actually spend time with a person and actually speak to them on a a more open level than probably, yeah, have you done that report? Yeah, fine. You know, it's. I think right. we've kind of lost that personal touch nowadays. And I, would, I would have to agree. I'd have to agree. And, and on, on that same note, I have a friend. His name is Jason Kalipa. He has a bunch of uh, – he's an owner of several CrossFit gyms out here. Actually, not several. He's a, He owns like 25 CrossFit gyms. Um, and one thing he has done is he has brought fitness – into uh corporate wellness programs so some of these big companies uh apple facebook some of these companies they need they need exercise for the uh their employees they need exercise for the people that work there and part of the reason why we need to go to a gym is because we need to make up uh weird stuff for us to do we need artificial exercise because we don't move around that much anymore we're not like hunting and we're not digging ditches or not like doing manual labor. And so because of that, we need somebody to come in and somebody to provide fitness for us. A lot of times that's a trainer, 
or going to a gym or uh, like my friend Jason, what he does with the corporate wellness thing, which is amazing. Um, he used to have these, he had these two guys at this one facility. They worked right next to each other and they had a cubicle next to each other. They knew each other's name. Um, he didn't really know anything else about each other. They, they just knew they were the same age ish. Uh, they, uh, they knew, they knew each other's names. I think they knew that each other had children, but they didn't know shit else. They didn't know anything else. They worked next to each other for over a decade. Never said a whole lot to each other. Then when Jason implemented this corporate wellness program where these people would go through rigorous workouts together, rather than like this place, this place that they worked at had a gym, but no one would ever go to it. So now they offered classes that you had to do together. And, uh, it would be like, it would be like, uh, you know, doing football practice with somebody or soccer practice with somebody, um, rigorous exercise that has to be done a certain way. You don't get to pick and choose. It's, it's going to be tough and you're doing it because you're seeing the guy next to you do it. So they implement this, uh, this, this wellness program. And now these two guys are best friends. They go on fishing trips, camping trips. They, they, they meet up with each other's families and, and all this camaraderie happens uh, all from these two guys sweating it out in the gym together. And that's, that's another thing is like, you know, when you, when you're going to the gym, uh, you know, it's good to be concentrated. It's good to throw some headphones on and to, you know, be into what you're doing. But if you have to throw headphones on and block out everybody that's in the gym, then you're probably just in the wrong place to begin with. And you should find, find a place that, doesn't get you so pissed off and angry. Um, it's okay to, to have emotion. It's okay to be mad when you lift. I I've done it many times. Um, but you shouldn't be pissed off your whole workout. You shouldn't be, you know, just fuming because there's somebody curling in the squat rack. They should be able to curl wherever they want. You know, they should be able to do what they want. Find a gym that's going to cater to your needs a little bit better. There's so many more options nowadays and, you know, don't be afraid to tell somebody what you do. Don't be afraid to tell somebody like, I'll, I'll hear this a lot. You know, uh, people will say, uh, man, I wish I had a super training gym. That'd be so cool. And I'm thinking, well, why don't you just build it? You know, like I know not everyone has the finances that I do, but I didn't used to have the finances that I do. <clears throat> and I built super training from nothing. I didn't always have money. And so you can figure out, there's a way, there's a way to do it. And if, if I'm in the gym, and I'm lifting next to you and I got my headphones blaring, you got your headphones blaring and you're super pissed off and you're doing rack deadlifts and I'm super pissed off and I'm bench pressing. I'll never say two words to each other, but how different would it be if when I came to the gym, I had a different attitude. I didn't have headphones on. I saw that you were doing rack deadlifts and I went over to you and said, holy shit, man, do you do some powerlifting? And he'd be like, fuck yeah, I do some powerlifting. I'd be like, Hey, well, you know, it'd be great if you could give me some, uh, liftoffs, uh, you know, I'm over here benching and we could trade information and who knows, you know, you don't, you don't really know, but if you don't talk about it, other people can't read your mind. And just because, uh, you're wearing a pair of Chuck Taylors and your socks are up high and you got, you have a slingshot wardrobe, not everybody's going to know that you're a power lifter. So you should communicate with people and you should talk to people because that person that you say something to, that might be somebody that says, Hey, you know, what would be sick if we had a power thing gym around here. And then what if you were the person to say, Hey man, maybe we should build one. 
Maybe we should think about it. Maybe we should have just some weights in the storage unit and figure it out from there and charge people 60 bucks a month so we can just keep the lights on. I don't know. You figure out just whatever way you have to. That's the way super training started. And uh, I think if, if people are just, you know, that goes along with being mindful. Keep your fucking eyes open. Keep looking around, be in search. Like, what's going on? What's happening? Um, and, and it all goes back to the, the whole thing of just kind of this realization. Are you on your phone too much? Are you are you taking too many selfies? Are you snapping too many pictures? <clears throat> Would it help you to, to do less? The simple um, question of how does it help, how does it hurt, is something that I often go to all the time. How is, how is this helping me, and how does this hurt me? You know, those are things that you want to eating this donut. How does it help? How does it hurt? Well, maybe it helps because you lost 30 pounds and you're at the end of the end of your rope with your diet. You don't want to diet anymore and you feel like having a donut. Well, maybe that is helpful. But if you're only three days in, how does it hurt? Well, it's going to throw you out of rhythm and you're not going to ever do the shit that you've been talking about forever. So that's some of those are some of the, you know, some of the ways I like to kind of live my live my day to day. And is that the, I mean, I'm very constant uh, of your time, but I mean, is that what you would advise people listening to this to take from it? You know, is, would that be the message to be more personal, to take 10 minute walks, to be in the moment, to speak to people? You know, is, is that the kind of things that they should be taking from this and utilizing in their life more, do you think? You know, I think it's from, uh, I'm going to screw up how this is actually said, but I think it's a quote from Gandhi and you can, people can look it up when we hop off of here. Um, but, uh, something in the effect of, you know, it's, it's, uh, when we, we lose ourselves in, in, uh, working and helping other people is when we really find ourselves. And I think that that's a, a really outstanding quote. And I think you should put other people, you should put other people, um, not before your needs because you have to take care of yourself before you can really help other people. Um, but I think that in general, we're, we're not too short or too shy of, of thinking of of ourselves, right? Like I think most people are a little bit selfish just by design. And so I think that you should make other people a priority. Um, you know, even just thinking of, um, even just thinking of holding a door for somebody, you know, you're going into a coffee shop and you know, the door's opening, grab the door for somebody, somebody's walking into the gym or somebody's carrying too many things. Can I help? You know, just little things like that. Or just, um, when you have a, a niece or a nephew or a friend's kid or your own children asking you a question, Maybe it makes sense to just chuck your phone across the room and put it down for a second and and try to attend to their needs because it's when you put your focus in on them that you're going to get the best results that you'll ever ha- that you'll ever have had on yourself. Um, and that could be in just helping people. You look at people. Look at some of the people on Instagram that are successful. A lot of times they're just offering their help, and I hope that a lot of times. I mean, maybe sometimes I come off as like a martyr or something like that, but sometimes I'll take a harsh stance just to try to, you know, try to create a a certain, a certain image. Right. But for the most part, that's all I'm really ever trying to do is just trying to help people. So I might recommend a particular diet. I might recommend that you eat certain foods. 
But I'm not ever saying that you have to. I'm saying that if you've ever had trouble before with your diet, this this might be a really good option for you. Or if you know somebody else that has had problems with their diet, they've talked about losing weight forever. They've never been able to make it work. Then recommend them to me. Recommend them to check out my Instagram or check out my book, The War on Carbs. These are all those things that are, you know, things that I will uh, I'll just put this information out there in front of people. And so the main thing I'd, I'd want for people to get from this uh, whole entire spiel is uh, just to be mindful, be paying attention um, in, in helping other people. You can, you can slingshot, you can advance yourself uh, forward so much. So um, that I, I, I feel amazing when I'm able to help people. The other thing is too, last thing is you can't go diving into helping people too. You have to be, you have to take your time. People have to trust you before, before they're even willing to accept help um, or before they're even really ready. They, they might think they're ready to accept your help, but they're not until they can really uh, trust you. I, I've helped um, a lot of great people that, that uh, I work with, um, with uh, nutrition, with training, with different things. And I noticed, I was like, hmm, it wasn't until about four, five, six months went by until we really started to notice progress. And I started to analyze why that happened. And I was like, ah, I know why it's because they had to trust me. They had to understand me better, uh, before they just went in and, and dove full blast. So don't waste your time right off the bat, but let people know that you're there. You can help, uh, you can advise them. Don't go, don't go and spend, you know, a whole weekend writing out a program for somebody that you just met, um, or writing out nutrition uh, protocol. Give them quicker, easier advice. Um, stop uh, consuming your calories through beverages. Uh, you know, cut back on your carbohydrates uh, later on in the day, or whatever. You know, whatever advice you can give somebody um, that you feel would help that person. Maybe the person has a sweet tooth, and you say, "Okay, listen, uh, no carbs after 4 p.m. anymore. You know, none, no ice cream, no nothing. Just, just uh, eat whatever, eat, eat what you want, but." Uh, you know, get used to those foods and, and try not to eat junk and try not to have sugar. Just uh, quicker, easier advice rather than uh, spending so much time uh, investing in others. That way you can you can spread out your knowledge more and you can get to know more people. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons I wanted to, I mean, I look at, I look to you as a sort of role model, you know, you've got the kind of life, the business, the podcast that I would love. And but there's this side of you that I don't think enough people get to see, you know, because we see you as a, a lifter, but you know, that you have this great outlook on life and you, you know, it's, you've mentioned so many great things here that I think so many people need to listen to. Um, I mean, it's, I've still got pages and pages of questions about the book and the war on carbs and all that kind of stuff. And I think we've just barely touched the surface, but I, I, I have to say that I think you've changed a lot of people's opinions on power lifters and yourself you know because some people will only know you from the lifting i mean so how can people find out more about you and get the book and you know keep in touch and maybe come down to um, super training and you know that sort of thing yeah so to go to super training gym uh, all you need to do is contact us on our instagram just uh, slide into our dm it's a uh, super training gym 
um, on Instagram and just uh, let us know when you want to come check it out for a visit. Uh, if you're local, if you're somebody that's in this West Sacramento area, the gym is uh, open and free to you to come Saturday and Sunday, anytime between nine o'clock and one o'clock. Um, it's still advised that you just send us a message and just let us know that you're going to come check it out. But uh, anybody who's out of town, you know, if somebody's going to fly, you know, <clears throat> from Scotland or something like that to super training, please let us know. So we could try to make sure that <clears throat> enough of us are there to accommodate uh, you uh, coming, coming in for a visit. And then people can find me at Mark, at Mark smelly bell on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, and also, you know, obviously check out markbellslingshot.com. We have uh, our slingshot products, hip circles, knee sleeves. All of the things are, um, all the things are there to support you during your your workouts. Anybody that's got tennis elbow or tendonitis in the knee or elbow, um, you're going to want to check out our products because can, they can really help. They can help you uh, get through, train through, and around injuries. Um, I've dealt with many, you know, in my lifetime. That's that's why I invented the slingshot. I tore my pec. Anybody with pec or rotator cuff problems, you're going to want to get a slingshot. It's going to improve your form. It's going to allow you to overload. You'll be able to handle more weight for more reps, more sets, which equals more overall volume in your training. You'll be able to handle more weight uh, even when you take the slingshot off. It's great for push-ups. We also have a slingshot push-up that's devised uh, – for people that struggle with push-ups, uh, but can also be used on bench press. A slingshot can be used. Any of the slingshots can be used on bench press, push-ups, or dips. Everything that we have is is well thought out. It's things that I've developed over the years. Um, all of our wrist wraps can be applied not only to your wrist, but you can put them on your forearm, your elbow, your knee. It's because they're specifically designed with a Velcro that allows you to uh, cinch it down on, on any body part that hurts. So everything that we've done has been with the lifter in mind because I was a lifter and I handled a lot of weight in my lifetime and I know what it's like. Uh, I know how pissed off and angry it can make you when you have these bumps and bruises in your training and uh, nothing can sidetrack you faster than having a stupid shoulder problem or a knee pain when you're trying to do your squats. Um, and, uh, lastly, um, we, we have tons of apparel on the website too, for those that want to support. And, uh, we got strong, our strong apparel lineup and our power lineup as well. Uh, but those that, that, uh, want to get something that's more advanced than a lot of the other knee sleeves than any other knee sleeve that's on the market. Um, I believe we created the greatest knee sleeve of all time and it's called the X sleeve. And you can check that out at markbellslingshot.com as well. What we did is we took denim and we slapped it on the front of the uh, knee sleeve. I initially tried to make the entire knee sleeve uh, denim, but that technology was too much, and you couldn't uh, couldn't get the damn thing over your over your calves. <clears throat> so, with the new design that we have of the X sleeve, you guys will really enjoy it. It has rubber at the top and the bottom, so that the sleeve won't slip. What that also does is while you're squatting. Um, uh, typically a knee sleeve will kind of pull apart in some way because it will, you'll have some stretch and some flexibility in some way, but this one doesn't. And so it ends up having quite a bit of a uh, stopping power 
Uh, they do fit tighter, so it's something that people should be aware of when they purchase them. They fit tighter than the strong sleeves, but this is the next evolution in knee sleeves that I'm really excited for the people that are listening to this show to uh, try them out. I mean, I've been looking forward to this interview for weeks, like since we arranged it, and you know, it's. I think we barely touched the surface. I've probably got about another four hours worth of questions to ask you, but yeah, well, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I think you've, you know, the, what you're doing is changing the way things are. You know, you've you're an inspiration to so many people. So the floor is open to you. Is there anything you'd like to promote? I mean. I could go on and on for hours more, but I know that you're a busy man. So is there anything else you'd like to mention? Any conferences coming up? Anything that you'd like people to check out? Uh, no, just to follow along and then they'll be aware of, uh, they'll be aware of everything that's going on, everything we're doing. I know that uh, I mentioned to you earlier that uh, we are looking into another trip to Europe. I think, I think we have like Italy on our list of spots to go, but uh I'll uh, I'll let everybody know you know where where we end up. We've been talking about Scotland and some other spots, um, so I'll just I'll make everybody aware of where we're going. Um, I do know that in July um, I'm going to be in Los Angeles, and I think I'm going to actually be in Malibu for for the entire month of July. And I think while I'm there, I might do a seminar or two. I know for sure I'm doing one at Barbell Brigade. And I'm actually doing one with my brother, which is really cool because he and I have never partnered up before to do a do a seminar. So that that would be that'll be really cool. I, I just don't have the exact date, but I know it's like the first weekend or so in uh, in July. Do you think this interview was anything like you were expecting, or you know what kind of attracted you to take on this interview request? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the uh, interview was great. You had different questions for me, and I, you know, I, I get a lot of questions. You know, I get when I go to like a trade show, people will come up to me and they'll be like, they'll go, they'll kind of sigh, they'll go, okay, I got a question for you. Like, I got a problem, and I'll be like, oh my god, what is it? And they'll say, my close grip bench press is way off. It's not as much as my regular bench. <laughs> and I'll just, you know, I can't help but laugh because I'm like, man, he just waited an hour and a half to talk to me, and this is the question, you know. Um, you know, this this que- this uh, question is probably gonna a, it's gonna probably work itself out. B, a lot of times people don't even remember what I say because they're super excited to meet me. Uh, and C, they could have got help from a local trainer or coach or or Googled or YouTube something and, and kind of gotten a, a similar result or answer. Right. Um, so I really like that, uh, that these questions were, uh, well thought out because I am trying to, you know, people are constantly talking about success and, and wanting to earn more money and, you know, just, uh, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to do so many things at once. And I feel that I'm a good person to be able to speak about a lot of that since, uh, I was that way. And now I'm working on trying to have a little bit more singular focus. And I think I can help a lot of people. So I think the podcast was, uh, really helpful and useful towards a lot of that. And I'm actually excited to uh, be able to direct people to this because I don't get an opportunity to talk this way enough. And, uh, even though I have my own podcast, 
I'm a lot of times uh, featuring and, and putting the spotlight on other guests. So I don't always have a chance to, uh, and, and these things, these things don't come out unless people ask. So, uh, I appreciate it. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it, practice it, use it until next time. Keep trying to hit that next level in your life.